Hello? Yeah. Oh, maybe that we worked. just had to reboot, Re yeah. redo it. Oh, what you got there? I'm waiting for this Zoom oh. call. All right. <laughs> Let me put this up. Yeah, now I can hear you just fine. What's going on? What's going on? Not a whole lot. Um, I guess just trying to uh, stave off the elements. <laughs> What's the weather? What's the weather like down there? It's like thirty degrees in, in the early morning, and then eighty degrees at night. <laughs> I know it's it's been in it's been in the fifties here, and people are wearing shorts and t-shirts. Because <laughs> it, it like was in the negative, you know, teens for seemed like two weeks. We got all these snowstorms, and then yeah. the temperature goes up to the fifties, and it's like it's summer all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing what you adapt to temperatures yeah. and stuff. Yeah, we've uh, we've been down here six years now. They say your blood gets thinner after about four or five years, and you do that to it. It's true because um, fifty degrees and below, we've got the heat on in the house. <laughs> I know fifty <laughs> down there is cold, and fifty here is summer. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, before like we were stationed at uh, in Denver. And then went from Denver down to uh, Panama City, then from Panama City up to Montgomery, and then back out here. So that transition from Colorado back down to the south and then back to Colorado is it's something, man. Uh, it's uh, quite a quite a bit of a difference in the like everything as far as the, the weather is different because there's no snow down there. It's like 100% humidity. It's just God awful heat. The insects are atrocious and all the little gnats and bugs and crap. And then you come here, it's like high desert, you know, with like no um, humidity at all so like it, the day you get here you get chapped lips because it just sucks the moisture out of your body <laughs> and the, the altitude difference the yeah. um, there's no mosquitoes or insects here it's great cool. but, yeah i don't i guess it depends on what you like i i after living in the South my whole life, you know, until I left to join the Air Force and then coming here and going back down there to be reintroduced to Florida and Montgomery, it's just like, oh man, I can't stand it down here. You get up first thing in the morning, it's already humid as hell, you know? You take a yeah. shower and get out of the shower and walk outside and it's just like, it's like getting yeah. a bucket dumped on you. You're like, oh my God. It's like I'm stepping out of the shower again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've already this year had to shovel my driveway like five times. 
we've got dumped. It's a lot of snow this winter so far. So that is the bad part is all the freaking snow removal that has to go on. Like at first, you know, snow is cool. Like down there you get, oh, well, you don't get any snow there, but you know, in Alabama, like in Birmingham, you get a day of snow. It's like novel and, and like just people go ape shit crazy. Yeah. Um, that shit wears off really quick here. <laughs> so is it like, like every time y'all have a, a snowstorm, does it shock your economy like it does ours? No, no. Like, okay. So like the last snowstorm we had, it hit um, probably about 10 o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, you wake up the next morning and the snow plows already out. So like down there, you know, it'd be ridiculous to dump any amount of money into the economy. So like, let's take Birmingham because Florida, you know, is, it doesn't even snow down there. I think I've seen it snow one time in Fort Walton when I lived there and it didn't even stick or anything. It was just like, it or melted and gone. But uh, in Birmingham where, you, you know, north to like Huntsville, where you actually get maybe one day a year, you get some snow. It would be ridiculous for the city to invest in snow plows and sand and salt mixtures and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Whereas here, that is like a full-time job for somebody. Uh, as soon as the snow starts coming, they have a whole fleet of snow plows and sand trucks and all that stuff out. So it's, you know, the economy's not disrupted at all. The only time I've ever seen it was when we first moved to Denver, this was 2002, I think, 2002 or three. Denver got hit with the worst snowstorm in like a, a century. And for three days straight, it snowed, like three days of continuous snow. So it was building up faster than they could even remove it. And so the city actually shut down, like Walmart actually closed on the day it should have been open for that. But as soon as the snow stopped, it didn't take you know long for them to remove it off the roads and everything. But that was a, man, that was so much snow. I've never seen that much snow in my life. Can't imagine. Yeah, it's one of those scenes where like cars are buried. Like you can't even tell a car is sitting there so you start digging through the mound of snow to and there's a car underneath it in the parking lot. So like this, and at that time we live in an apartment. Like as soon as we moved to Denver, we went straight into this apartment complex. And I mean, it snowed like the week I was supposed to start work at, uh, at, at Buckley Air Force Base was when that snowstorm hit. And so like normally the snow plows can go through all the parking lots and uh, you know, like the apartment complex, they'll have it all. But it built up so fast that they couldn't even bring snow plows through there because they couldn't see if there were cars underneath the snow they were trying to remove. So first they had to ask people to dig out their cars just so the snow plows could go, go through to make sure they're not plowing through cars. <laughs> it was crazy. But typically, you know, like a snowstorm won't last that long, just hours. But immediately they have all the removal equipment out and everything. 
and like in Alabama, you know, they get they get ice storms. Um, it's not really snow; it's just like freezing uh, rain that builds a shell of ice up on everything. You know, the tree, you've seen that before, haven't you? Yeah. Right. And uh, that's dangerous to drive on. You know, people down there, they're not equipped for it. But here, immediately, even if we have an ice storm like that, they're out spreading a mixture of salt and sand on the roads so that even an ice storm won't accumulate on a road. So you have uh, um, a lot of people that live here, are, of course, have all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive because that's almost the standard thing. So you're not going to have a lot of people out on the road who don't know how to <laughs> how to drive. Yeah. I don't know. No, I've, I've had a couple of close calls in ice storms before. That black ice that builds up on the interstate. Yeah, and you can't yeah. even really see it. Yeah. Mm -mm. No, once you're in it, and all of a sudden, and um, malfunction junction one time, coming around that corner on I-59. Yep. Tap the brakes just a little bit. Start pitch-tailing. <laughs> Managed to pull out of it okay, but um, yeah, never forget. Never forget. Well, uh, I mean, we have continuous snow. Like, here, I'll show you real quick. Just like, I mean, like I said, the weather's been in the 50s the past few days. But you can see it's not it's not enough to get rid of it. It's just that a continuous crazy. presence. Of, yeah, it's continuous snow all the time. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's just normal. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, I mean we're like we're living like, OK, Colorado Springs actually sits in a, a little valley before you go up into the mountains. Right. Mm -hmm. But Colorado, like Denver is a mile high city. So. But Colorado Springs is even higher than Denver. We're at 6,500 feet. And then uh, where I live is right on the outskirts of Colorado Springs. I'm at 7,500 feet at my house. So, you know, sometimes it'll snow here and not even be snowing in the springs. Um, that, that, that thousand feet of difference will sometimes make, you know, that difference between those snow and here and raining down there. But most of the time when a snowstorm comes through, it's blanketing everything. Like 50, 54 feet above sea level. 50 feet. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's funny that I would like. Kirsten's, she has relatives who live in Montgomery. Her her aunt and cousins live there. And uh, so they're originally from Colorado, but well, her, her cousins have lived there. She uh, settled there because she got a job with the Army National Guard. She was in the military for a while and then got a job with the Army National Guard in Montgomery and has worked for them forever. So when we were stationed at Maxwell in Montgomery, uh, we were able to visit them, get to know them pretty well. So they come out and visit sometimes. It's funny because uh, the first time that they came out here, the, whenever come, somebody comes visit, they always want to go see Pikes Peak, right? That's like the big thing here in Colorado Springs is Pikes Peak. It's a, 
is uh, easy to get to here because it's right outside of Colorado Springs. But uh, going from which Montgomery is not very much higher than what you're up there. You know, you're at sea level pretty much, but Montgomery still, before you get to that higher plains going up into Birmingham and everything, but um, they go up to Sea Pikes Peak. So you're going immediately from almost, uh, you know, 100, 200 feet above sea level up to 14,000 feet. Every time it happens, somebody comes and visits from like Alabama or something, they'll get uh, altitude sickness. Like it is, you, know, you kind of, yeah, you like have a, to accl acclimate to it. It's like a slow uh, version just, of the bend, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're used to the the level, the atmosphere is, the oxygen level so much smaller at, you know, 14,000. Like I'm at, we're at 7,000 feet and even going up to 14,000 feet is noticeable. Mm -hmm. But going from sea level up to that, it's radical. Yeah. And so just not being used to breathing the thin oxygen air and it, the altitude sickness is, you know, it's temporary. You come back down and it, a couple hours it goes away, but it'll give you like a headache and feel a little bit queasy kind of just from that lack of hundred, that saturated air, oxygen air. Yeah. Well, Pike Speak's pretty cool though. It's 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 kind of weird that there's a 14er like right at the beginning of the mountains because typically you know the mountains kind of get high. They start out small and get higher and higher. So you have to drive in ways to get to a 14er. But for some reason, Pike Speak's just boom right there. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. I was looking at driving today. I had to take uh, my son to. Uh, the Air Force Base to the Air Force Academy for a consult to, they're looking at taking his tonsils out. I was driving coming down into Colorado Springs and another feature in Colorado Springs that's pretty cool is called Garden of the Gods. And it's these rocks and, and you know, a million years ago, this was a, was this sandstone, but it's harder than uh, most other sandstone and as the oceans receded and the mountains pushed up this one just I mean it's very short you know maybe a mile long and but this one ridge where this beach used to be these the sandstone stood straight up as the the lands changed and so a lot of people will go there and like uh, repel or mountain climb up it and stuff and they have a park through there and the colors of the rocks are really cool. They're these reddish color and everything. And that's at the base of the mountains before you go up into Pikes Peak. And so the Ute Indians that used to roam, the, the Ute Indians were nomadic. They didn't like live here, but this was one of their sacred spots where Garden of the Gods and Pikes Peak was. So I'm driving, and you, it's a big feature you can see from anywhere in the city is, you know, Pikes Peak just dominates every view of Colorado Springs. But depending on where you are, you can see off in the distance, Garden of the Gods and those rock formations sticking up. And it's really cool. And, but I was driving and there's just so many people now, the population, you know, Colorado Springs is, that's not as big as Birmingham, but maybe as big as Panama City, you know. Um, 
but it's more consolidated whereas panama city is kind of spread out along the beach colorado springs is more compact around the base of pike's peak but driving down i was like man it's such a shame that humans have like that used to be a sacred spot to the Ute indians you know and they would now if some of them were back you know traveled through time to today and see that they would be like what the fuck did these people <laughs> ruin this sacred site for just roads and buildings and cars and it's a good transition for talking about politics <laughs> have you seen the uh the documentary called seaspiracy that's a pretty good one to watch it's pretty eye-opening about uh, fishing trade um but i guess the reason i asked is because when you're watching it the guy who who did it he wanted to start out by um reducing his footprint his carbon footprint right like recycling and trying mm -hmm. to not use as much plastics and everything yeah and so his research focused on have you heard about this big plastic waste there it's conglomerated all this plastic on it oh so, yeah yeah and so he's he started researching like just how much plastic waste there is and how much harm it's actually doing to the environment it's a pretty interesting thing because he goes down this rabbit hole of he gets into well actually like like for example, you know, Starbucks tried to do, or in California, they tried to do away with plastic straws, right? What did they have in star or paper? Uh, paper, like yeah, something paper, that's biodegradable. Cardboard. Yeah, okay. yeah. So he's like, the, the after his research, the impact that that makes is so negligible. It's trying to like not use toothpicks to save the rainforest, right? Like, like it's nothing. And so what he found out was that most of that plastic heap is fishing nets, plastic fishing nets that fishermen just cut loose and get rid of, right? And so then he started going down this rabbit hole of looking at the corruption involved in the fishing industry. And it's, man, they're just like ruining the environment. It's like these mega ships just drag these gigantic nets, like they'll let a the ship is up on the surface, right? No, they're fishing this area, this volume of water underneath. So they just have these massive nets they let down and they just scrape them across the seabed and it's just ruining all of the life down there. And then they just get everything in these nets and pull it up and get rid of a lot of it, what they can't use for food. It's not like they're being, you know, nice about it. <laughs> it's just right. completely... So from like satellite images, you can see areas of like the Mediterranean that have just been scarred by all this overfishing. Really? Yeah. So that is doing more harm to the environment than anything we could do on the land. And even then, you know, there's so many. But as I'm watching this thing, what, what it kept circling back to in my mind is that, you know what the, the root problem is with all that? It doesn't matter what you could do to change the politics involved with 
fishing industry like and and see they're protected from a lot of countries because they go out into international waters which no country really polices or controls but the root problem is really is that there's just too many damn people yeah we the human race is just a blight on the earth (laughs) yeah i think we've become critical reached critical mass and there's just billions and billions of people Mm-hmm. So, but, but anyway, and I don't, what's your, uh, your pretty much your fundamental political stance? Uh, uh, I don't align with any party. Um, probably won't vote anymore. Um, the last couple of elections have been madness yes yes no good no good choice i've lost all faith in the voting process and the the democratic process i don't know pretty fundamental pretty conservative that's kind of yeah and the thing is is like you people go well really like either candidate and they're like well you're just throwing your vote away if you don't vote for you know one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sad to the the part they can put up just a shitty candidate, and we're forced to pick one of the, the two. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it's horrible. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do we get to this state, right? But, and then here's another thing is like, the whole reason when, if you go back to the 17, you know, the 18th century and 1700s when monarchies, we were the first to really implement the modern Republican form of democracy, right? The whole purpose was to overthrow the monarchies. This, This corrupt nepotism of who controls the power money everything right and but what do we do almost immediately we elect you know who what were the first two related presidents uh john adams and john quincy adams right yeah and then we've we've elected two bushes we almost elected another clinton like we're still doing it what the like we're still (laughs) supporting nepotism either party you look at we're gonna hide, we're gonna elect in somebody just because they're related, you know? Like it's fucking ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Good <laughs> we're still doing it, but the two-party system is is the fundamental problem with our you know, when you're forced into a two-party monopoly, pretty much. And it doesn't matter. They'll they're comfortable alternating election cycles because they control everything, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, Americans are so dumb when it comes to how they vote. It doesn't even make sense. Do you, do you, have you ever heard of, okay, like, okay, um, why do some countries that are also Republican forms of democracies have a prime minister instead of a president? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. 
like Australia? Right. Most Americans probably don't even, you know, really think that through. Like, why would what? They're also a democracy, but they have a prime minister. And mm -hmm. but we like to put our president, or I I should say the the two parties like to put the president up on a pedestal where either you love them or you hate them, but they're the blame of everything. Like. How is one human responsible for the gas prices? It's just ridiculous to even think that. But yet we will post memes about it all day long. Like that's just stupid that no one human being, and, and even if you want to call them the leader of the free world, that is just a bunch of horseshit. They're not the leader of the free world. They're an elected official who should not have anywhere near as much power as we think they have, right? Like all the woes of the world can't be placed at the feet of one human, the president, or, you know. But so if you look at this historically, the United States of America was the first modern democracy, right? Republican form of democracy, first constitution, bill of rights, all that. Well, everything that's come, and how many are there around the world now? Hundreds of them. Hundreds of countries have modeled their government off of us but do they keep it the same so like like winston churchill once said um the republican form of democracy is the worst form of government the only thing like it's horrible the only thing worse is everything else <laughs> so like with all its flaws it's probably the best we can do but then if you look at all the different types of Republican forms of democracies, um, we probably have one of the worst ones. The best would be what's called the Westminster model, which is what Britain has. So they have a prime minister and they have a representative Congress. It's not a winner take all, where in the elections, whichever party wins, they pretty much control, you know, a lot. I mean, you know, like Congress can be divided if you have a, a conservative Senate trying to push against the liberal House of Representatives, for example, or something like that, you know, but for the most part, the Republicans and the Democrats control everything all the time. It's winner take all. So how do you get around that is to have a, a representative Congress. So in other words, like, let's say, for example, we just did this simple change to where when you go to fill out the ballot, not only is your number one choice looked at, but also your number two choice. So you could say, yeah, okay, my number one choice, I don't want to just throw away my vote or if you follow that horseshit line of reasoning, but so I'll put Trump down, right? Or I'll put Biden or whatever. Um, but your number two choice is who you really want to vote for. Maybe it's a libertarian candidate or something. Well, when they rack and stack the results, they're not just looking at the number one vote. They look at, you know, the number two choice, the number three choice, and it all gets ranked and stacked. So actually, the number two choice could get elected president because they got more votes across both parties. You know? But we don't do that. Interesting. Hold on. Lost you. Yeah. Hold on a second.
Hey, sorry hey. about that. For some no reason, worries. when I get a call in, it totally messes up the, the thing. <laughs> no worries. But all right, so, but yeah, so that that would be like one of the, you know, of course the Republicans and the Democratic Party themselves would not be for that at all. They're going to thwart mm -hmm. that every which way they can. Mm -hmm. um, right. But, but and then like the the Westminster model has a prime minister instead of a president, right? So mm. the prime minister's job is really just to oversee decisions made within the government, not to, not to be like some kind of, I don't know, man, how our system is, you know, and Americans are brainwashed into thinking like, oh, this is the greatest country on the earth and our model, our forefathers were geniuses and all this horseshit, you know, <laughs> that is not true at all. Right. I mean, for their time, yeah, they were innovative. But at the same time, they also owned slaves where they talked out of one side of their mouth about freedom for all men. And then, you know, that, but as long as you're not female or, you know, other than white, it's just, yeah. like, come on. They weren't perfect human beings by any means. No. They, they made no mistakes. Way. And they tried to foresee in their model problems that it would have. And some of the problems they tried to thwart were the exact kind of crap that we have now. This sure. strong two-party system that controls everything. Sure. But like, I don't know, you pick a country that has adopted, like a good thing to do is just go research uh, more recent countries that have adopted democracies and look at their, what they've done with their uh constitution and bill of rights and those types of things mm -hmm. and you'll see that they've they've weeded out some of the colonial era problems that are like for example the electoral college it's mm -hmm. a ridiculously yeah. stupid thing that yeah. we hold on to <laughs> because it was for an age when there was no communication other than a horse from town uh -huh. to town now we could hold an election in real time right now and have the results before the night's over with but we don't. We have this old colonial shitty system that's just ridiculous. Right. Never understood yeah. it. Yeah. And then. I never understood but, it. it. You could win an election and still lose it because of the results <laughs> of the college. Yeah. And then, the, you know, of course, you know, you're going to get people on one side or the other give reasons. Like, you know, of course, the the. For example, there's more conservative people that live across America. You don't want all the liberal people in one major city controlling the election. Like, okay, I'm sure there's a way we can get around that by having a normal real-time election that's secure by the technology. You know, we secure it by a, an impartial party and not one of the two parties or a yeah. combination of the two parties. And where every single person's vote actually counts. Like just because I've been gerrymandered into some district where mm -hmm. like I'm in Colorado, right? So, yeah. which is a blue state. Right. However, I live in a red County because I'm oh, in okay. an area where there's a lot of military. We yeah. have Fort Carson, the air force Academy, Peterson air force base, um, mm -hmm. Shriver air force base. And a lot of those people retirees from those communities, which tend to be more conservative, have this area red but in our elections it typically goes to blue you know it'll go democrat mm -hmm. the governor of our state is a democrat 
Yeah. Um, because most of the areas of Colorado are very liberal towns, especially like Denver and Boulder, like mm. uber liberal. You know? Right. Like, we're one of the states that's legalized marijuana, which right. is, you know, in a conservative state, that kind of stuff doesn't fly, you know. Right. Uh, anywhere where their religion is like a backbone of the community, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff wouldn't fly. Mm-hmm. But, but so I feel like it's almost like my vote doesn't matter anyway within the state because of how the gerrymandering has worked. Like, why can't we just have a, an election where everybody's vote counts for what it is, their individual vote? doesn't matter about what district they're in or any of that shit. Just, just a vote, straight up vote yeah. when it comes to like the presidency, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, we hold on to this old, it was the perfect model that our forefathers didn't make. They made no mistakes. It's perfect. You know, no, man, that's not so, like things have changed. Uh, a lot of things have changed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, an- another like thing is like with this whole COVID thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the do you think that the big pharma actually has our best interest at heart with anything? Like, I'll sit at night and watch Hulu, and it's like every other commercial, some like fucked up named pharmacy you know like yeah and what do they do don't take if you're you know because it could cause blah blah they'll list off 50 million things that could go wrong by taking this but yet they have like in in other countries you know it's against the the law for pharmaceuticals to even advertise like that didn't it used to be in the u.s yeah i mean so like what causes that is that like big agriculture, uh, the big meat producing, you know, a big farm, big, all these big corporations have bought off the political parties through how they fund and seek funding from politicians. So mm-hmm. that whole system is just corrupt as hell. Oh, yeah. I don't even see how you could live with yourself working for one of them. But, yeah. Okay. No guess if you're, all you're concerned about is counting your money. You don't care about morality, you know. And yeah. To to work within a system that you see is that corrupt. Yes. Um. Like in the media, you don't hear any talk, and you know the media is also most of the media outlets now are not biased at all. They're totally. I mean, they're not unbiased. They're totally biased to whatever the the owner or CEO of that media production company's view is. Of course. So they're they're not in the business of reporting or or trying to do any kind of real investigative journalism to uncover corruption in our society. They're in the business of making money, Mm -hmm. which means. But it's like, for example, you never hear anybody in any of the media outlets talk about natural immunity. Like, no. What no. about, like, I, I've had COVID. I haven't had the immunization, but I had COVID and I got mm-hmm. over it. Well, my body has immunity to it because I got over it, right? Yeah. It's natural immunity. Have I been inoculated? Yes, naturally, because I had the goddamn virus and got over it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there's no talk of that. Like, and, it, and like Rand Paul, um, he did do this, you know, he's really big on trying to go after Fauci. Yeah. And, uh, but I have heard him a couple of times talk about natural immunity and the, the government's just not tracking that kind of data. Right. But he said that in the studies he's looked at, it's better than getting immunized. Because you see I'm everywhere. Sure. I mean, we, we run a home care business. We have healthcare workers working for us. Mm -hmm. I see so many cases of people who've had the, the uh, immunization getting it. But why are you getting it if it doesn't work? Why are you? Why is the government trying to make us get an immunization that does not work? Yeah, they oh, never man. vetted it. They didn't test it. The you know, like it takes years to test. Preach, right? Yes, years of going through trials to to vet it, but yet under emergency of whatever they declared, you know, they threw it out because those big pharma is going to make billions and billions of dollars off of the government pushing that mm -hmm. billions of dollars being made and i mean hell if i was the president and this you know i'd be like you know what if you want to get it get it if you don't want to get it don't get it if you want to go out in public and take the risk that's on you that's your freedom but the government should not be involved in mandating shit with any of this right oh, all we should be doing is providing information to help you make a a good choice of what you should do mm -hmm. if you have health problems you probably shouldn't be going out you know until we think that it's passed or something mm -hmm. right yeah but you're always going to run a risk of catching something i mean before this we would look at japan with all their wearing masks and stuff and go yeah. look at those idiots like they wear masks yeah. all the goddamn time but now it's like the norm here in America is the whole mask. Like, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. I, I worked in the burn unit at uh, Brook Army Medical Center, mm -hmm. right? And when somebody has a full body burn, they put them in an isolation room because when, these aren't people who've got a burn on their hand, right? These are yeah. people who've been engulfed in fires yeah. and survive or yeah. trying to survive. Mm -hmm. So this is like what they call full body, full thickness burns, mm -hmm. where they're going to be going through months and months of surgeries and skin grafts and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. So the, they put them in an isolation room. They turn the heat up and the humidity up because they're not able to wear like anything. Like they might be laying in a bed with the only thing covering is their privates, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but they're laying exposed to the air. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about somebody who is at high, high risk for catching any kind of yeah. disease or anything like that. Do, when we went in there to treat them, do you think we just put on a mask? Fuck no. Fuck no, you had to get in full on suit because that mask is not going to do anything. I put, a, if I put on a mask and put on my glasses, my glasses get fogged up. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck? That air is just flowing through there. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> to truly protect yourself or to keep you from spreading germs to other people, you have to go all in. It's not mm -hmm. just a cloth over your face. It's like everything is protected. So when you go in to treat one of those burn patients, you're putting on a 
complete like almost hazmat suit the Mm -hmm. i mean everything so when you go in there it is horrible i mean it's not as horrible as what that patient's going through but when you come out of there after just like 30 minutes of debriding and treatment and you come out of there you are literally soaked because you're in like a room that's like 98 (laughs) degrees and really you know yeah but that protection half-ass doing through this pandemic is just horseshit it just makes it's just ridiculous it's so yeah <laughs> it's just hand waving and going through the motions to, so somebody can feel like you know something's being done mm-hmm. but, uh, so do you have a mask in your pocket no i don't like when i went to the air force base today you know, you have to, it's federal government, you know, the military, it's whatever the federal mandate is they have mm-hmm. to do, but you can just tell that people are just so put out by it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it makes you wonder though, like if people's attitude is really that way, like you think they're really being serious about that. No, mm-hmm. you, you may get in a room with certain people that go, and do y'all want to wear this? No, fact, let's take it off. Nobody's looking right. I mean, they're not really doing the protocols, you know? Yeah. How, do you think that that teenager who's working at McDonald's making, you know, $9 an hour is really serious about, you know, protocols on the... No, they're probably, when nobody's looking, they're probably, like, taking that thing off, sneezing in their arm, making mm-hmm. their hamburger. It's like, come on, man. Seriously? <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then you're also talking about a virus that's like it's smaller than a cell because it is a virus. Yeah. It's going to find a way to get anywhere and everywhere because that's what viruses do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they do. So even if you've had the, you know, immunization, it's still going to find a way to fucking get you. Of course. <laughs> of course it does. Oh, oh. Otherwise, this uh, immunization would be effective, or one of the one of the rounds would have been effective. I don't think yeah. it's. And, and... Go ahead. No, I, I totally agree, man. It's just like, yeah, it, either it's effective or it's not. Like, and I've seen, I've heard and seen so many people getting COVID who've had the immunization mm-hmm. and boosters. Right, they've been boosted and whatever else they still get it mm-hmm. so i'm with you on the natural immunity i've i've not gotten inoculated uh, or i haven't taken a shot and don't right. don't plan on it well did, have you had covid yet pretty sure i have i mean when i came up to birmingham and stayed with my folks you know uh, everybody in that house had it and um I think I came down with a headache and a scratchy throat. That was the extent of it, you know? Yeah, that's the thing is, like, it just affects people so radically different, right? Like, kids Mm -hmm. almost, you know, they'll have it over it in a day almost. There's, You know, I had it for about, and I didn't even think I had it, but we run a home care business. So we have the test at the office. So Mm -hmm. Kirsten, she brought brought home a test. She goes, I bet you have it. 
I was like, ah, I don't think I do. I feel like it'd be way worse than this. And so she did the test and sure enough, it came back positive. Mm-hmm. And then like, like within the next couple of days, I lost all sense of taste. Like it was crazy. Mm-hmm. I was eating just the hottest thing I could get out of the fridge. I was just filling up, you know, spoons with jalapeno sauce and habanero sauce just because it was entertaining to me just to see like i don't i don't do spicy food very well anyway but nothing like nothing it doesn't even affect me so weird but i never had like any kind of chest thing or you know like that it was all just like a a low-grade fever and i felt just tired and lost Mm. my sense of taste but you know maybe if i was like morbidly i wouldn't even say morbidly but it's just if i was obese like slightly obese with mm-hmm. other you know health issues like diabetes or that seems to be uh one of the big complicating factors is people who have uh diabetes or especially something like copd or mm-hmm. things like that yeah i would be i would you know be a lot more cautious about not wanting to get it whereas before i was kind of like, ah, and if I get it, I get it. If you know, I'm sure I'll get over it and be fine. But you know, I was kind of glad I got it and let my body get over it because now I'm pretty sure that I've been exposed to it many other times and haven't gotten it. Same. Huh. Same. Yeah. Because I went and stayed for a, a week and a half with my parents, and my mom had it. She she had a full a full case of it. She felt. You know, she felt Horrible. pretty shitty. Yeah. yeah. But even she says after after getting over it, she's like, I don't feel like an uh, a vaccine was necessary. Really? Yeah. Um, and see, maybe maybe if I was elderly or you know, all these things I might have, you know, be a little bit more cautious about it. But I feel, you know, not that old, relatively healthy, I'm not that worried about it. Yeah. So but how long did she like was down with it kind of so to speak about two weeks yeah yeah that seems pretty much the standard is a couple of weeks mm-hmm. now I, I do know a lot of people that have died from it too like uh um especially in our line of work mm-hmm. we're mostly dealing with elderly people in our home care business so mm-hmm. yeah we've had a lot of clients uh, we had you know that when we lived in panama city when we were stationed at Tyndall we bought a house there. Mm-hmm. And so we bought that house, like the worst time in history to buy a house. It was right before the housing market collapsed. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so like almost, you know, the week after we bought the house, this market collapsed and that uh-huh. house's value plummeted. Oh man. So, so we were never able to sell that house. And then that hurricane hit Panama City. Mm-hmm. So like right as the housing market was recovering and like that house's value was getting to where like, oh, we might be able to sell it. Then the hurricane came through there mm-hmm. and just did so much destruction in Pan- on that side of Panama City. Mm-hmm. And of course, this house was in the neighborhood that got like hit hard. It like wiped out so much of this neighborhood it wiped out part of the roof we had a florida room on the back of it that yeah. thing was gone it took it away the whole thing damn so so that affected the the value of the houses in that area mm-hmm. so anyway ever since we pcs from there we had people renting you know like airmen that would uh 
station at Tyndall would rent yeah. it and everything. Well, the last renter we had was a single mom who had a, a son that was in high school, mm-hmm. high school age. So he's like 17, 18 years old. And she he went in the hospital and was dead within just like a few days. Damn. Just a horrible, horrible situation. And just left it that her son without, you know, just, and so he was, he was, uh, he's like very honest. He's like, I can't afford to, to yeah. live here, you know? And we're like, look, dude, you know, you stay there as long as you need to figure out your stuff and don't worry about, you know, having to pay rent and everything. Because That's cool. We, we just felt so bad for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But so he eventually, uh, his dad was still alive. His mom and dad were divorced. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm not sure what happened. His dad stepped in to kind of help out and everything. So mm-hmm. he was like, he's like, you know, I, I'm going to have to move because I can't afford to pay the rent. I haven't even finished high school, you know. Right. So he, mo- he moved out and we were able to finally uh, go back down there and kind of fix the house up and sell it just to get out from under it. But. Damn, we, that's sad. After all these years of owning that house, we like wound up just losing money still, and you know, came out of it no better off at mm. all. And then we had that house. It? No, we just sold it this past year. Mm-hmm. Like his mom died of COVID. Um, at the like, I would say when did COVID really start in 2019? In the end of 19, beginning yeah. of 20. Yeah. So I think it was in the summer of 2020 and she like, she got hit pretty quick with it. And, uh, um, so we, uh, tried to, you know, see if he was going to be able, cause we didn't really, you know, I don't, you don't want to pry into somebody's life like that. Yeah. You don't really know like, Hey, did, did you get a life insurance policy where you can maybe use that to pay for your rent or whatever, but you don't want to be that way. You're just like, dude, don't worry about paying your rent until you get, you know, you, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. yeah. You don't be thinking about money while you're trying to get your mom's, you know, yeah. recover from that. So, uh, but he finally was, you know, after several months was just like, you know, I, I found a place to live and I'm gonna, you know, I won't be able to honor the, the lease agreement and all that stuff that his mom had signed. And we're like, Oh dude, don't worry about that. Just, yeah. You know. But, so we, we wound up putting it up for sale and just to get rid of it. Cause it mm-hmm. was like, like seriously, that hurricane was such like the timing of that was just, <laughs> just horrible. And I don't know if you, did y'all get affected by that? Not that Irma, um, Irma a couple of years before that one came through and tore up the town. We were down for a week, like, no power, no utilities, no, no cell phones. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, what happens with that is that, so the, uh, the contractors there are in the claims adjusters and all that, mm-hmm. especially when you have like Panama seat, man, we drove through, uh, Tyndall air force base, like almost every single building on Tyndall air force base. Cause it's right on the ocean. Yeah. Um, it was right in the path of that hurricane. Like almost every single building on that base had some form of damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and several of them were just completely destroyed, but even the ones that were not 
completely destroyed, had some form of damage. And that was just at Tyndall Air Force Base. So you look at the city, like whole neighborhoods. So you can imagine when the claims adjusters and contractors and all that stuff are trying to sort all that out, man, they just get so backed up. Oh, yeah. So, and when you're not there physically, it's hard to, you know, keep on them about putting you as a priority because you're just, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Tell me about it. We were so far inland from the the path of the hurricane. Um, we, we got compensated like a grand, but it, it, it was weird. It showed up at Christmas time. <laughs> you know, it was like, yay! Forgot all about this. Six months later, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's a. <clears throat> I remember one year when I was stationed at Tyndall. Um, that hurricane season, every single part of Florida was hit by one of the hurricanes, except for maybe a little sliver around uh, uh, from. Where is it you live, Perdido? Ocala. Ocala, yeah. So like that little sliver from like where you're at up to uh, Panama City was like the only part of the entire state that wasn't affected, you know, mm -hmm. by a direct, like hurricanes had come in from the Gulf. They'd come in from the Atlantic, they, mm -hmm. like up up from the Keys, like all, oh, mm -hmm. it was like, it was a bad season. Yeah. But that was crazy. It was nuts. That was probably nice. what, like, uh, let's see, 2000. When did I... 18, I think. Yeah, no, let's see. Oh, it must have been like 2008 or 9. Oh, well, you're thinking that far back. Yeah. Yeah, that's when we oh, were. Oh, Char Charles. Yeah. Francis. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all yeah, all like all the and they just went all across Florida mm. every which way you could think. <laughs> yes. It was crazy. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Mm. But yeah, and then so and then another thing is when I'm <clears throat> like, I spent a long time in the military, like or, or dealing with the federal government, you know. So there's so many observations to be made but but one of the things that's really frustrating uh with just people's like today there's this general like malaise about wanting to improve anything mm -hmm. with and so like uh, here's a good example so one day i went into uh you have to make an like apple is very politically correct right like they, mm -hmm. You have to, if you want to go to the Apple store, you have to have your mask on. You have to mm -hmm. make an appointment. They don't have a lot of people in the store. You have to wait outside and they'll call you in for your appointment and all this. So anyway, we, I'm in there. The guy's looking at something with my computer or something from the genius bar, right? Mm -hmm. So he was complaining about the mask, right? Like just not, not overtly, just kind of an irritation, you know? And I was like, like, man, do you, do you get tired of all this crap that Apple has y'all doing? He's like, oh, God, yeah. I was like, well, why don't y'all, you know, revolt against it? Yeah? <laughs> get together, man. Say, look, we're, we don't, this is stupid. We don't want to do it. He's like, man, this is my, you know, job. I, I don't know, I can't make waves. It's my paycheck. 
that's pretty much, you know, you see that everywhere. I'm just going to bend over and take it because I got to do it to earn my paycheck. You know, nobody really, like, I, Civil War, or we're going to have a, a rebellion or something. Like, really? I don't see enough Americans really giving them that much of a shit about giving up their paycheck to go <laughs> all in like that. <laughs> Come on, man. But that's but like we we have a lot of VA clients. I mean, I, I say a lot, but we we have a contract with the VA and a, a portion of our clientele are VA. Right. Mm -hmm. So which means when I was trying to get all that set up and going and everything, there's a lot of calling the VA. And so. It, like there, the bureaucracy that we've built within our government is so bloated and uh, like just obscure. Like, so you, like you would call somebody and they would go, you'd ask them a question. They go, um, I don't know. I'll have to transfer you to another department. Like, mm -hmm. seriously, man? like, why, why? Why don't you know enough about the job to like get sold, don't it? Fragmented and all the different departments are so set in their little zone. Yeah. Solar. So let's just get so fresh, like just something simple like this, like you call and, and you probably experienced this on a lot of different calls. You know, like you'll get a voice recording thing. It says, enter your member number or your social security number, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So you enter that and then uh, somebody will finally answer and they'll go, can I get your uh, social security number? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And I, so when the VA does that, I'm just like, uh, I already gave it to you. They're like, no, you didn't. You know, like, what? I'm like, when I called your answering service answered, asked me for my member number, my yeah. social security number. They already verified you. And now you're asking me for it again. Do you realize that? And they're like, you know, like, like the thing is like, I'm just doing my job. Why are you yeah. hassling me, man? Yeah. You know, just trying to do my job. Like, but seriously, why do I have to give you my social security number to get to you, to give it to you again? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't the, should, like, why can't you just say to your boss, Hey, why don't we have it where, when they enter it, when it comes to me, that's, you know, I have it. Yeah. Why do I have to give it again? Just something that simple and stupid. But people are just like, oh, man, why you have I'm just, I don't know. I don't control that. I'm like, well, then ask somebody. <laughs> you raise the question. But, uh, so irritating. So one day I called. <clears throat> Here's what they'll typically do. You'll call to ask a question. If they can't answer it, they're going to send you to another department. And they don't, like, hand you off with a warm handoff. They just hit their transfer and boom, hang up. They're on to something else, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so you'll wind up getting an answering a voicemail of somebody else because nobody's answering their phone, right? They're all screening. So I call, <laughs> and the girl, I mean, I give these people hell. I'm tired now, so I don't give a fuck, right? <laughs> so I, she goes, well, let me transfer. I'm like, hey, wait, wait. When you say transfer, do you, will you do me a favor? Will you stay on the phone and wait till somebody answers and then release me to them? Yeah. Instead of just transfer me to somebody's voicemail. Yeah. She goes, yeah. She goes, yes, sir. 
I'm like, great, that's awesome. She doesn't do it though. She just transfers. <laughs> so I, I so I get a voicemail. And the lady, I go, well, this is tip. This is the voicemail like I left her. I was like, well, this is typical. I called somebody and they were going to transfer me, make sure that somebody answers. But of course, nobody answers. I got your voicemail. So here's my name and number. I doubt you'll call me back, but what the fuck? Here we go. <laughs> so that's pretty much the voicemail I left her, right? Mm-hmm. So she called back and Kirsten, my wife, Kirsten, she answered the phone and was talking to this lady. And at the end of the conversation, that lady goes, make sure you tell your husband that I did call back. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is very unusual because, man, most of them people, they have that same, it's like going to the DMV. When you go to the DMV, you're not going to get somebody who's chipper and happy to be doing no. their job. You're going to get somebody who's fucking pissed off, doesn't even want to be associated with that horrible, mm. you know, shit show that's going on there. And is just irritated as hell that you're there. And gonna stick like, it to welcome you. Welcome, yeah. Welcome to bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same, man. I guess uh, that's our government right there. In yeah. a nutshell. And, and the military is the same way, you know. You're like it, during the Civil War, you didn't have you know 50 ranks to of people reporting to this person who reports to this person. Where it's impossible to get anything done because. The person I need to actually make this decision is 15 levels above me mm-hmm. in rank. So, but I have to send it through my boss, who's probably an idiot, who's to their boss, who's another idiot, who's right. another boss. You know, we yeah. have, it's like what they did in karate, you know, like in, in the ancient days, you had a white belt until that motherfucker turned, you know, dirty brown. And mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, well, you've been doing this long enough. You're a black belt. No, mm-hmm. we have a, you get a white belt, you get promoted to a yellow belt who gets promoted, like just inventing shit to make yeah. it feel like you're constantly progressing. Yeah. It's the same thing with the military. Like during the civil war, you had a private, a sergeant and you know, the Lieutenant, that was it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're, that's maybe all you deal with the whole time is just, <laughs> just that. <laughs> but now we have airmen, airmen, first, airmen, basic airmen, airmen, first class, senior airmen, uh, like, why do we need all these levels of bureaucracy? Yeah. Because we have so too many. fucking many people. Right. It goes back to that, Tony. Thank you. It's because there's so many people on this earth. You have to, mm-hmm. like, fabricate shit to keep them busy. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Hmm. But that's like uh, I, this one. I hardly ever get on social media too much or post stuff or anything. But sometimes I'll see something where I'm just like, uh, I don't know. For whatever reason, I have to make a snarky comment. But mm-hmm. some girl I went to high school with, you know, it was, it was at a time when uh, this giraffe at this zoo was going to give birth. And these giraffes are endangered and it was a big deal. And so, of course, her snarky comment or meme or whatever was that, you know, all these people care more about this giraffe than they do about the debate on uh, abortion, right? Mm-hmm. And my response to her was like, that's because there's only like maybe a thousand of these giraffes, but there are billions of human beings. Right. Okay, billions. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> we need way more giraffes and we need people coming into the surf. <laughs> oh, but it's true. It is, man. Like, have you ever read Freakonomics? No. Uh, the abortion debate is one of those. Like, okay, this is another thing with our political parties. I mean, do you honestly think that every human and, you know, every American views perfectly aligned to two parties? No. No, why, why do we pretend that our personal views perfectly align with one of two parties? No, there's too many individuals. These platform that much. Yeah. It's just, it's just stupid to even think that that's the way it is. But for some reason, that whole abortion debate has got flipped it really mm -hmm. should be and it's because of the conservative christian movement right yeah is why but really when you think about it the democratic party should be the ones who are pro-life because they're all about human rights right mm -hmm. so they should be the ones who are for you know like against abortion yeah and it should be the republican party that is pro-choice but it's flipped and we just accepted that, that, that you know, and, and people will die on their sword over that issue for mm -hmm. their party when it doesn't even make sense, right? It's just yeah. horseshit. Yeah. So, but in Freakonomics, they, uh, they, they have two books. One is Freakonomics and the other one is Super Freakonomics. Mm -hmm. Those books are fascinating where you have economists looking at these big uh, social issues and how mm -hmm. statistics and, you know, the economics uh like one of them they looked at was they had this drug dealer who kept meticulous records okay of their drug deals okay and so they just to have an economist who has access to that was a wealth of information and they extrapolated all this like for example what's the average what's your chances of being a drug dealer and actually making it to retirement age you know versus okay. are you going to get killed off gang banging and shit okay all these kind of but one of the big ones they looked at was uh, when they legalized abortion. And so it started out where they started looking at in New York, suddenly uh, the crime rate had this huge drop. And they looked at all these factors to figure out why is it that the, that the crime rate suddenly dropped in New York? You have politicians like Rudy Giuliani taking mm -hmm. credit for it, with yeah. policies and all this stuff. But when they really looked at it, none of that mattered. What caused it was that they legalized abortion and all these babies that would have been born into a life of violence, the mothers were able to get an abortion and not bring them into a violent life. So the crime rate actually dropped because women of low socioeconomic backgrounds were having abortions legally. Wow. Yeah. Debate on abortion. Like, you know, they're talking about the sanctity of life. Bullshit. Some of these babies are going to have shitty lives. Most of us are going to have it, you know, in the world. We live in a planet of billions of people where most of the people are going to live either horribly normal, like, un, you know, remarkable lives or else below that. The bell mm -hmm. curve, half of the population is going to live a shitty life. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't they talk about that kind of stuff when they're talking about these debates on abortion and everything? Like, man, we don't need more people. Encourage abortion. Don't let some 
you know, teenage girl who made a mistake, who's going to not be a good parent, raise this child just because you think, oh, that child has such potential and saying, no, that child's probably going to be a horrible human. They're probably going to just cause more problems to uh, the rest of us than not. They're not, the odds are they're not going to be the one to cure cancer. I'm just saying, you know, that's the odds are. <laughs> they're not going to grow up to be the next Elon Musk. I'm going to say safely, statistically speaking, that's probably not going to happen. It could, but why put all your chips on the fact that, you know, saving all these human lives that probably will not account for anything. Just add more problems to the table. <laughs> wow. Cold. <laughs> it's cold. I sound like I sound like I sound like Bill Burr, don't I? Yeah. It's <laughs> 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 true though. He's I saw a clip of him the other day. It's funny where because I felt the same way where um, the military. I, I was in the military, right? Mm -hmm. But still, even when I was in the military, and like it's it's a weird thing when you're like in uniform, you're going out to eat. Somebody goes, "Thank you for your service," you know, or "Let me buy your meal." That's you're like, you eh, I'm not really, I, I'm I'm not really doing anything, buddy. You you know you don't have to. Yeah, most of us that you see in uniform aren't really doing that much. We're sitting at some cubicle, typing on a computer, some shit that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like now, if we were in a war and I was doing something to contribute, yes. But for the most part, they keep us back stateside and keep us just busy because, you know, they need the numbers. Okay. But Bill Burr said, he goes like, he goes, I don't feel like, you know, just because American Airlines, you know, wants us to clap for the two soldiers getting on the plane. That, I mean, no, that's stupid, right? Yeah. We have this thing where we think that soldiers deserve some kind of, just because they're defending our freedom. It's crazy. It's, it's just stupid. But he's like, he's like, okay, just think about that fighter pilot who's dropping bombs. Yeah, that guy. He's a hero, right? Mm -hmm. But what about the guy on the flight deck who's just pointing the plane to where it needs to take <laughs> off? He goes, what's that guy really doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that guy really a hero? <laughs> no, he's just one of the many people we have to keep employed in that hierarchy of, you know, useless bureaucracy that we've created. Sure. <laughs> I'll think about that next time I, I see it. Next time I think of it. Like. <laughs> okay. yeah, and I do, like, when people come up and say, hey, thank you for your service. When I was in uniform and stuff, I would be like, you know, I appreciate that. But sometimes I'd be like, yeah, it's not nice. I'm, I'm not doing anything. It's really mm -hmm. like, I, I could not show up to work for like probably four months and nobody would notice. <laughs> That's the sad truth of the matter. Oh, man. When I was, uh, now when I was a medic, um, it was a little bit more intense, right? 
So I like my first stint, I was flight medicine. And so that's another thing. He, Bill Burr is talking about first responders. It's like, like I'm the one calling in the fire. What am I? You know, like they, they, they talk about like healthcare workers are the heroes out on the front line, right? Like, no, that's, I, I was one of them. I, that's not true at all. Like, why? How, I'm not near the same as that guy who's out there taking bullets in a firefight. You know, mm-hmm. that's a way. Like maybe I'm helping save the guy's life at some point who's been in a fight, but I'm not the actual one out there. You know, putting rounds down range while I'm getting shot at. You yeah. know. Yeah. So for me, as a healthcare worker, to take credit for the guys, you know, to say that I'm equal to them, it's just rubbish. Complete rubbish, really? right? Is it really yeah, okay. so stupid? So, but anyway, when I was when I was a medic, um, and I was you know like they call a first responder or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that to me is like serious stuff, right? When you're mm-hmm. when you're a policeman, fireman, uh, somebody you know, a, a emergency worker, somebody who's in a hospital. I don't know. Maybe if you're in the emergency room saving somebody's life or something, but you know. It just depends on what you're actually doing, right? Yeah. But that was serious stuff to me is when I was actually like working in the ER and you'd have somebody come in who has a serious thing that's a life or death, right? Mm -hmm. So to go from that to being a personnel officer where you're just pushing paperwork, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to take that with the same level of seriousness as I was when I'm like in the ER, Right. Okay. How do you equate? How do you equate those two? Like, oh my God! If this decoration doesn't get signed by the end of the month, you know, the last duty day of the month, then this guy won't get his medal this month. Versus, if I don't get this guy intubated, he could die. You know, yeah. like yeah. those are not the same. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would never. And, and besides, like all my orderly room staff and stuff they would laugh at me because i would talk like this you know and be mm-hmm. like you know we're here we are we're not even over in the a war zone we're back stateside where it's all cushy and safe pushing paperwork and yet my colonel is breathing down my neck about how this deadline needs to be met and i'm just like fuck you man this is not serious at all this is horse we're like we're just playing here we're just keeping busy until the real shit hits the fan when you send me over to a war zone and I have to actually do some real work that matters. Yeah. And so, so at my retirement ceremony, Miss Colvin, who was the director of staff who had to be the, she was the one always giving me the, the line of, I need this, you know, major, I need this right now. I'm like, do you though? Do you really need it? Well, Colonel General so and so needs this. I'm like, do they? Do they really need it right now? Like, what? And she's like, just get, you know, like trying to bargain with me. So anyway, at my retirement ceremony, when uh, they're going through all of the jobs I had and all the things I did, and mm-hmm. when I was in emergency medicine and all these aircraft crashes and mm-hmm. you know, and different war zones and stuff. Afterwards, she comes up to me and she goes. Now I see why nothing like what constitutes an emergency to you is way different than the rest of us. <laughs> I'm like, yes, now you see that what really matters is what those guys out there on the front line and those trenches are in that foxhole or in trying to take that, you know, house yeah. from those terrorists. That's 
an emergency. Right. This is just this is just like wasting time. It's just yeah. like piddling around. <laughs> but, so I mean, you know, I, I guess it's good you give respect to when you see a soldier in uniform, thank them for their service because you don't know what kind of you know what job they're involved in. But chances are they're IT problem, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and not they're not in a firefight. Right. So how's the music writing been going, man? Well, um, are you familiar with the band Failure? No. Okay, um, I had Kelly Scott, the drummer, on uh, on an episode of, of this. Oh, really? I need to go yeah. listen to that, man. And uh, he's, they're about to go on tour, and uh, he's opened up the floor... He said, if anybody wants to um, collaborate, get with it. And so I did. I said, I, I would definitely, he said he'd put uh, drums behind whatever, whatever submitted. Man, where does he live? L.A. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty cool. So I sent him uh, one of my tracks, and he was like, yeah, cool. So he's going to That is so cool, man. That is isn't amazing. It, isn't that cool? That is. Yes, there's so much like, especially for like you or I who are not drummers, and mm-hmm. but we can do a lot of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this for like when programming drums and everything, how much better it would be to have a real live drummer. Yeah, that is that is gold, man. That is like so cool. Oh yeah. So yeah. It'll be so awesome even though he's, now, but he's like, is he at like? have some kind of contractual obligation or something that he's involved with, but he's free to do outside projects like this. I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. He, he's done it before. Like, I mean, he, he's, he's like the, uh, the MC of the band. I think they're, they're a trio and he's always, he always seems to be one of the, like the most approachable of the three. And, um, but yeah, I mean, he does podcasts and and PR type stuff more more so than the other guys in the band. Man, I'll have to go check them out just because failure, huh? Yeah, they opened for so, Tool um, for no years. way. Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Is their music uh, similar to Tool's kind of? Similar, yeah. It's not as not as Tool, but you know, it's, who does the singing in the trio? Ken Andrews. See, the bassist and the guitarist, they switch up bass and guitar all the time. No way. That's yes. pretty cool. Yes. That is so cool. Just Man, I, you know, that there's so many. I made a playlist one time of trios. And mm-hmm. when I started doing it, they just started, like, coming out of the woodwork. Because you don't really think of, you know, but, like, Rush, mm-hmm. ZZ Top, Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Um uh green day cream uh, cream yeah um triumph there's been mm. some really amazing trios out there it's it's a like voivod was a trio for a really brief, yeah for a brief period remember phobos the album yeah that was a trio voivod oh man 
I didn't realize that. I always thought that because you know, is it Piggy mm-hmm. he, the sing? He doesn't play any instruments. No, he's not the singer. Piggy was the one that died. Oh, okay. Who was the singer? Snake. Um, Snake. Yeah, he doesn't play any instruments. So no. he wasn't. Who sang? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that album was Eric Forrest playing bass and singing. Really? Oh yeah. man. Sounded like Cookie Monster. I really like trios, though. I'll have to go check mm-hmm. the, out these guys. Failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, ju- I think it's just a cool dynamic. For some reason, trios, I don't know, they they seem to have more of a unique vibe going on, you know, chemistry. Like, mm-hmm. look at Jimi Hendrix or, you know, ZZ Top. Like, the, for some reason, it seems like a, a tighter, you know, less people, they tend to be tighter with each other or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Rush is probably my all-time favorite trio, you know, just because. But look at the kind of music they did as a trio. It's amazing. You ever heard Coroner? No, I've heard of them, but I've never really. Because they're yeah. like a black, uh, like a death metal band, right? Yeah. More thrash. More death thrash. Yeah. From the Switzerland, I think. Swiss. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're you're European, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. They're a trio. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. Well, hey, man, I guess I better keep yep. going here. I'm it's gonna... time to get to work. I know, yeah. Me too. i got to head over to our office. But man, it's great talking to you, Tony. I love too, this bro. conversation. I know Same. I may talk talk over you most of the time, but... It's okay. It's, <laughs> what, it's what the listeners want. <laughs> so. I get to vent, but anyway... All right, man. Oh, there's the choir. All yep. right, man. I'll holler at you later. All right, bro. <laughs> Bye. Peace.